Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Hi, good morning, everybody. Um, it's lovely to have you with us. Um, I'm joined this morning by Donna Jennings and Elizabeth Wayne. And we're just going to talk a little bit more on the, the series of um, loss and, and dealing with loss. So it's actually over 10 years ago now that um, uh, when this happened in my life. And um, so I had Joy at the time, who was eight, and Samuel was five years old. And and thought I was done and dusted, very happy with two children. And um, it was the height of the summer. And we'd all, uh, we just had a lovely weekend with, with Nana, um, which was lovely. And then we'd just come back and uh, it was a beautiful summer's day. And we went to Kearney Fruit Farm, um, which is a popular place where children can play and you can pick strawberries and it's just lovely so we were there and we were sat having lunch with friends and uh, Jake uh, Samuel and um, his friend Jake had just gone off to play and play on the on the bales of hay and all the all the um, you know swings and things and we could see them from where we were sitting it was just about about 20 yards over the fence um and just um you know catching up with my friend and um what was really strange was um she she was talking to me actually about the fear of losing her boy jake because he had a severe nut allergy and she said donna i just don't know what i would do if my son died she said i think i would just kill myself i just wouldn't be able to cope with it and I, she says I'm, I'm just so anxious all the time he's going to die and I, I really believe it was the Holy Spirit at the time because I, I actually stood up and I said, he is not going to die and you need to stop living your life out of fear. And no sooner as I, as I said these words, then um, Samuel was being carried um, in someone's arms and he was being handed over to me and they said, um, uh, he said his heart hurt and I knew it was serious and um, I, I held Sam in my arms. Amazingly, he was conscious as I got him and um, I just said to him, I've got you. And then he went unconscious in my arms. Um, inside, I was thinking, this is serious. Tom was there. He run the ambulance. Uh, a crowd started to gather round. Um, and uh, I, I just was holding him, but I, I could see the color coming out of his face. And I was just praying on the inside, please God, please don't take him. And um, a, a man ran over to me who was a, um, he was actually a mountaineer. And he said, can I help? And I laid him on the grass and he was testing for a pulse. He said, I've got a slight pulse. At this point, my heart leapt with a bit of hope. Um, the ambulance then came about two minutes later and um, they whisked him into the ambulance. So the ambulance wasn't long at all. And, and uh, actually even a, a doctor that we knew was there on the scene as well. So 
I couldn't go in the, I couldn't actually go in the ambulance. It was too hard for me to go in and I just stood outside. I thought they just need to do what they need to do, thinking they'll revive him because you think when the ambulance get here, it's going to be okay. And um, I just sat on the grass and funny, the mountaineer man came and he said, are you okay? And, but I was praying and um, I think I was just, I was just praying out loud. And he said, are you praying? I said, yes, I'm praying. And he said, he said, I'm a Christian too. Can I pray with you? So we both were praying. Um, I was just like, please God, don't take him. I, I, I eventually, I thought I'm, I, I, I went into the ambulance and I could see them working on Samuel. Um, and, but then I looked at the monitor and I could see it just go flat after he was, after the doctor was working on his heart. There was no, there was nothing on the monitor and my heart just sank. And I thought, I thought he's gone, but I didn't, he just kept working. So when he worked on his heart, it was still, his heart was still working, but obviously when he stopped, it wasn't. So I still had a bit of hope as we we whisked off to to the hospital. but that was like the worst journey you could possibly imagine. And I think I cried, I shouted, I, I was just, um, I didn't know what to do. I just was in shock, I think. Um, and even to this day, if I see an ambulance, I get, um, you know, some flashbacks. So we, we got to the hospital and, um, and it was the way that the doctors greeted me. I think they knew. Um, um, they greeted me and then they took us into a room. They worked on, on Sam for probably, a, a, you know, a few more minutes. But then the, um, this is always the hardest bit to say, the, um, the doctor said time of death, 5.02. And that was it. And I, I knew that um, he'd gone. And um, that was a uh, uh, one of those words that you just never want to hear, but um, we just held on to him and just hugged him and um, couldn't believe that our beautiful little boy had gone. Um, so as you can imagine, that was quite a life-defining moment and um, uh, one that I don't always like talking about, but it happened. Following that, of course, I had to. I had to carry on, and um, you know, how do you cope when when that has happened? And I think, I think what I want to share with uh, about today um, is is a bit of my journey. I mean, it's it's a long journey, but a, a bit of my journey of where God really helped me and really helped me to get through. Because, you know, we're all going through loss right now. You know, on on some level, you know, life has changed as we know it. Um, you know, you might have lost a loved one um, through the virus or other, anything else, and um, you know, you might have lost your job. You might have lost your freedom because you can't go out. I mean, there's all of these are losses. Aren't Actually on some level and you know when you you go through loss you go into shock and you can see this happening on a global level there's been a kind of shock you know of what's going on um, and actually for me just now um, the grief has kind of returned on some level and that's because grief does that you know one loss can remind us of another one that we've had previously yeah. so um, yeah it's it's been an interesting time just now I'm 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 aware now of my own grief and I'm aware it's it is cyclical it doesn't people think that grief is is linear and it's certainly not it's cyclical so at any point at any time you can be reminded it could be a smell or a 
or a memory or anything can remind us of that loss. I mean, as you can imagine, um, it was just agony, you know, the, the first month, I mean, the first year, really, but those first weeks and uh, at first you go, you're, you're in shock. So you anesthetize. It's nature's way of, you know, God's way of just, um, it's like a time of grace where God is just with you. But it's the bit when it starts to thaw. Um, you, you know, the, the shock starts to thaw. That's how I describe it. And then yeah. the feelings come crashing in and that's the hardest. And um, there were there were two, two specific instances I remember was the pain of separation. And it was the, the agony of being separated from this little boy that I loved dearly and just loved him with all my heart. And um, I was, I was just, I had to run to God. I had nowhere else to go with the, the, that immense uh, loss and feelings. And so um, I just ran to my father in my room. I just shut the door and I just cried out in my heart to God. And I said, God, it's, it's the separation. It's that feeling of separation. I just can't bear it. The fact that I'm not, I'm not going to see him on this earth, um, you know, for the rest of my life. I think that was the hard, hardest feeling. And um, I just, I just remember so clearly feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit in my room, and it was the, it was the presence of the Father, um, of my, my Father, my Heavenly Father, and he, he kissed me on my forehead. That's what it felt like. He was kissing me on my forehead, and. Um, as I cried out to him about the separation, he just, I just remember deeply in my spirit, I heard the father say, Donna, this is how I feel, being separated from all my children. And as he said that word, all, I just, I was like overwhelmed with understanding the love of the father for everyone in the whole earth I mean everyone that includes you that includes everyone listening I mean and it's not it's not a it's not a oh God's over there and I'm here and yes he loves me because the Bible says he loves me no it's a it was the feeling of love that God was sharing with me just like that feeling that I have for my Sam and the, and the pain of not being able to be with him and I really understood the cross in that moment of what the agony that God went through because he loves us that and he doesn't want to be separated from us and that's why he allowed his own son to, to die I mean that just gets to my head every time as well I didn't willingly give up Sam but God willingly gave up his son so that you and I do not have to be separated from him anymore I mean that's just phenomenal um so the was that that incident um so it was it was almost like a privilege the grief process in some ways because he was sharing his heart with me um but it it, it hurt mm. <laughs> um, and then um there was another time and um i think this was a good few months this was after the funeral this was a good few months when you know um i was on my own with the the just the feelings and and I can only describe it it was it was despair and despair is just a horrible feeling it's just like a blackness and emptiness it was like there was a massive hole inside me and I just didn't know what to do with it and it was just of loss and this feeling that 
I have to live with this for the rest of my life. And um, it, it, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. It was so hard. And again, I thought the only place, the only one that knows what I'm going through is God right now. And I ran again to my father. I, and so many times I think on my knees at this time. And I would just lock my door and just seek God. And um, um, but it was it was hard because um the pain is so much you want to avoid it. And I think I want to share this with people that are going through grief. It's so painful. Sometimes you, you, want to, you want to get rid of it. And I can understand why people turn to alcohol or drugs or something to just quash the pain because it's too painful. And, and, and we don't want to go there because it's too painful. But, but in order to heal, we do have to allow ourselves to look at it, at the pain. Um, so I, I, again, I was just in my room and I was crying out to God in my heart. Um, in, in prayer or it was just, I was just being real about how I was feeling and I, I said God I just it's the separate and um, not the separate it's the despair that I'm feeling right now I just feel such despair and I, I don't know what to do Lord just help I was like I was I was sobbing I was like it's just despair please what do I do with this despair that I'm feeling and part of me wanted to run away but uh, I was there and and I just I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Donna, look at me. And I thought, oh, God, I can't look at you. That's too hard. That's me. I've really got to look. When I know when I look at you, I'm going to see the pain. I'm going to have to face it all. And I, I was avoiding it. And I, God was showing me I was avoiding it. I was like, I can't, Lord, it's too hard. And a second time, I heard him say, Donna, look at me. And it was just with such love, but a little bit more coaxing me to do it and I was like oh, I just can't and um it was just so hard I thought I can't I can't look at this it's too painful a third time and I think when God says something to you three times you know he means business <laughs> he said Donna look at me uh, and I, I I just I surrendered I was like okay I'll look and I it was like um because I'm quite a visual person, when God speaks to me, I, I get pictures. And in my spirit, I, I saw like a video screen in front of me, and it was of Christ on the cross. But then it went zoomed right in to Jesus on the cross, and it was his just his forehead. And um I could see the blood congealed in the crown of thorns and the blood trickling down his face. And then it went in even closer to his eyes. And he said, look at me. And as I looked into his eyes, I, can't, I, could, I could see my own despair in his eyes. And I could feel the despair just lift off me in that moment. And it was just through the look, through the gaze of looking at Christ, but seeing my own despair in his eyes. And it was, I, I, can, I, I can't, I, it just lifted off me. And it was, again, in that moment, I, I heard God say, you don't need to care, I've taken it off you. And it, he truly lifted and it went, and I've not felt despair since then. Um, I've felt sad, I've felt, upset but I've not felt that hopelessness that that sense of despair and again 
I just got this deep revelation in that moment of what Christ did for us on the cross. And it's active now. It was active for me in my room. It was active. It was the cross was working then. It was, it, Jesus was taking my agony, was taking my pain. And it just made me think about all those people that are carrying things that actually they don't need to carry, even the very worst things, you know. Um, yes, there's, we need to forgive and release people, but actually Christ took it all. He took all of it everything that we're feeling thinking the mess of life he's taking it all and we don't need to carry it and be burdened by it and i think that's what um i deeply got that revelation and sometimes i see people i just think you can give that to god you don't need to care but it has to be your journey you know i mean that was my journey and i think i think it's really important that um you know people they they meet with jesus in their journey and he knows how to to meet you he knows how to communicate with you he knows what you need and um for me it was it was his gaze i think you know if we could just look at the father i mean you know god is it can be father and mother you know but if we can look at the father the perfect parent he and and, and allow him to look at her us and us look at him then we can know who we truly are and uh, from that place you know be be all that we're meant to be and um you know and he'll heal us he'll burn up everything that we don't need he'll take from us what we don't need to carry um so yeah that's that's a little some snippets of of my my journey thank you so much for sharing that um mm. just you know i it's uh, just a phenomenal way of just like surrendering ourselves to God and to, and to him and allowing him to, to be that perfect healer and, and um, restorer of, of our souls, really. So, and, and restoration is something, Elizabeth, that you're really keen on um, and mm. setting people free to be released through the, the pathway of counselling. Um, yes. And recently God's been speaking to you about, about that quite a bit as well. Do you want to share a little of, of, the, of that with us? Well, obviously I've known for a long time that counselling works it helps people work out where they're at in life and how they can move on you know and I just need to be the person who sits with them while they work that out and that's my privilege and recently when I was thinking about how to explain that to people who are not being involved in counselling um, I was going over the words which are uh, the Egan model is stage one is totally about listening and it's about letting the client tell the story such as Donna has just briefly told us just now. Um, most of my work has been in uh, child loss um, at a more early stage in life. Mm-hmm. But people don't know what's hit them when they have a bereavement like that and they need to be able to talk about it. Not in the early stages, like Donna indicated, but they need to talk. And my role is to totally sit there and listen. Active listening, we call it, and we just sit there and let them talk. We might do our mms and ahs and encouraging, uh, just to make sure they know that we are listening and we're not letting our mind wander, we're taking in all that they said. So we might 
go back to it later on in our chat. And while I was thinking about this, I saw a pencil drawing being made with a hand and a pencil. And it was like the client is drawing me a pencil drawing of leaves and shapes. I didn't make it out to begin with. And stage two uh, is where I might ask a few open questions just to develop the story, get her to talk about a little aspect or other of her story, um, just to clear things up for me, but also just make her look at the other side of her story a bit more. And I saw the drawing being coloured in. Uh, it was just like colours were being added. It was filling out the story. And stage three that we have in our Egan model is where the client might make a goal or something for what will I do by next week when I come back to see you? And it was like she had drawn a vase of flowers and she was rearranging them. Oh. I'll move this part of my life there. I'll bring this one forward. Oh, I might even throw that one out. And they're, they're planning how they can um, move forward from where they are being stuck in their grief. Uh, and I was just so encouraged by these pictures of what we do and what we know works. Um, and that was understanding for me after all these years of doing it. Finding someone who's just there for us and has no other agenda for that time we're with them uh, often helps us hear ourselves think. You know, we think and let our brain go, Brr, but actually if we sit and talk it, uh, there's something in that of you hear it and you go, all right, okay. <laughs> and you have a rethink of where you're at and slow down. Um, the anxiety and the worry. Uh, another reaction can be anger. You know, people feeling they've lost things just now can make them angry and and react in some way. Uh, I always say to clients that grief and anger go together. It's just how we notice it and how we work with it. It's not actually wrong in itself. It's just we're allowed to be annoyed, you know. Um, <laughs> It's just how we deal with it. But sometimes the noticing of it and understanding of it, and we might want to do something and write our rage on a piece of paper or something like that. Uh, you know, destroy something that's going in the bin, you know, that sort of thing, just to say, yeah, I am angry today, tomorrow I'll feel better. <laughs> Uh, sometimes when we do something like that, it gets it out of our system instead of uh, getting angry with somebody close to us and upsetting everything in our uh, own lives. So uh, we, we thank both both Elizabeth and uh, Donna for, for just being so open and sharing with us today. And, you know, as, as Donna said, um, she's looking forward to that time where... <laughs> She's reunited with Samuel, Samuel in heaven. And, um, you know, for many people, that is the, their sense of, of, of looking forward to it and enjoy it. doesn't mean they don't live in, in the moment now as well. But um, yeah. if you want to get in touch with us after this, just put your name in, in the chat box on, on the side or click for prayer, because I'm aware these are very sensitive and, and difficult issues that we've spoken about this morning. So um, 
please do do get in contact with us if you want any further discussion or chat um, and and we'll certainly be there to pray with you and to encourage you so thanks ladies very much indeed mm -hmm. thank and, uh, you